0: While these major banks, those stock prices are coming off their lows, they're certainly not rocketing right back up to where they were previously either.
1: Welcome
2: to Views from the Desk, a special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. In these timely episodes, we provide the latest investment news and expert commentary on the markets, the economy, and investing. Brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management. Canadian inflation cools to the lowest level since 2021, reaffirming the Bank of Canada's pause. On today's special episode, Portfolio Managers Chris Heeks, Chris McCaney, and your host Mackenzie Box explore what rate normalization means for markets. They also discuss recent bank earnings announcements, the benefits of low volatility investing, and the tailwinds building for gold. Before we hear from the team, please consider subscribing to Views from the Desk on your preferred podcast platform. And for many more ETF insights and resources, visit the new and improved Canadian ETF dashboard at BMOETFs.ca. Hello, and
1: welcome back to our BMO ETFs Weekly Insights Podcast with our team of experts. Thank you to everyone for continuing to tune in and to provide comments and questions for our podcast. I'm today's host, Mackenzie Box, in product at BMO Global Asset Management. Today, I am joined by Chris McKinney and Chris Heeks, who are both portfolio managers on our ETF desk. So thank you to both Chrises for joining me today. All right, well, with that, we'll dive right in. First, we'll start with you, Chris Heeks. We saw the CPI come in yesterday, and there is talks now that inflation is anticipated to keep trending downwards can you give us your thoughts on what we saw yesterday and what this means going forward?
3: yeah definitely positive development in terms of the path of inflation you know as I know the higher inflation has created this higher rising rate regime, which has been you know a challenge for markets, both equities and fixed income alike but particularly in Canada you know seeing some some good momentum to the downside so yesterday's release we saw CPI fall 0.9% down to 4.3%. Inflation was really hot last March and that that March number faded out of this year over year. So part of that is the base effect of that strong March faded out of this number, but still obviously a positive direction to get down to 4.3. Some of the components that that drove that electricity and energy overall was lower you know, did not contribute as much uh, to inflation. We saw a bit of relief on food. It's in the single digits. So food prices are 9.7% on a one-year basis, but they were 11% last month with the last reading. So getting a little bit of relief on food. And there's been uh, quite a bit of relief on shelter as well in recent months. So definitely positive developments. Uh, If you look at the core CPI, ex-food and energy, that was at 4.5%. But notably, you know, the last three months average, it's been around three point four percent. All indications are in Canada that that inflation is getting into that at least that three to four percent window. You know, as a result, you look at the Bank of Canada; the interest rates at four and a half percent right now. Uh, as we know, they've paused the last two meetings, and you know, all this data points that they will continue to at least pause because. You know, if inflation's in that three to four percent range, uh, the four and a half percent rate is restrictive. So, I think it reaffirms the market view that, in at least the near term, it's it's going to be continue to uh, continue to be a pause. Overall, good things. Um, you know, if we look at the U.S., we'll we'll get another read in a couple of weeks on on how inflation is there. It's a little more sticky in the U.S. Uh, the market is still calling for. Most likely one more 25 basis point hike in the U.S, most likely in May, potentially in June. We'll obviously see how that continue to develops. You know, I think if you get North American alignment in terms of inflation coming down, that's a very good thing. So you know, I think what's, what's interesting to me is, you know I think we, we can be reasonably uh, comfortable with seeing inflation in that three to four percent zone. Now obviously, the central bank's target for inflation is two percent, and three to four is not two. So I think it will be interesting to see how sticky they are to that target, or whether perhaps they will take a bit of foot off the gas with it with uh, respect to the restrictive interest rates. But overall, good news, and and again, we'll see what the the U.S. reading is next month. But it's looking good in Canada in terms of what that means for markets. You know, I think the overall way I think about it is rate normalization. And you're seeing uh, fixed income trade much more like it typically does, and actually much more like it you know has offered in kind of decades past, as opposed to uh, the zero interest rate regime we're in. So fixed income has a very attractive yield right now. I think there's a duration benefit with fixed income as well. So you know, looking at our our ZIG, our BMO Aggregate Bond ETF, you know, it's got an attractive combination of yield and duration that can hedge against equities. Um, on the equity side, I think about a couple sector ETFs that are, are known to be rate sensitive. So uh, utilities and REITs. The utilities are utilities ETF, ZUT, the BMO Equal Weight Canadian Utilities ETF has performed quite well, actually, as uh, interest rates have, have been normalizing. And so, uh, so I think that's an interesting one. And, and personally, I'm interested in the REITs as well, because it has not performed as well. So the ZRE the BMO Equal Weight REIT CTF. Again, I think it's going to benefit from this uh, rate normalization, you know, more certainty with respect to funding rates that are important in REITs. And, uh, you know, this one is still still trying to find a footing. Obviously, office REITs are a bit of a concern, but that's a relatively minor weight in the portfolio. I think the rest of of the portfolio is is, uh, much more fundamentally attractive. So that's when I look as well that that could benefit in a a rate normalization environment.
1: Great. Thanks, Chris. It's nice to see some positivity uh, coming out in the, the last little bit.
2: Are recent market events giving you the feeling of deja vu? In Portfolio Manager Alfred Lee's latest quarterly update on positioning, he shares why elements of the banking crisis look eerily similar to the challenges faced in the 80s and 90s and provides solutions to today's pressing market challenges. Access the Q2 portfolio and fixed income strategy reports now at BMOETFs.ca.
1: And sticking with the positive news, we've seen a lot of headlines come in in the recent days on U.S. bank earnings we've seen a lot of positive results. So Chris McKinney, can you maybe touch on this and what this means for the market? And can you give an overview on how this impacts the BMO Equal Weight US Bank Index ETF, which is the ticker ZBK, and as well the covered call version, which is BMO Covered Call US Bank's ETF, ticker ZWK?
0: Sure. Thanks, Mackenzie. And I think certainly a lot of eyes uh, from investors on this round of bank earnings announcements that we've got over the last few days or so. Um, Obviously, investors looking for clues on what the fallout from the regional banking uh, crisis back in March uh, is going to look like. Now, this quarter that they're reporting on only ended uh, at the end of March. And so there's really only a few weeks um, after that sort of original Silicon Valley bank issue, uh, there's only a couple of weeks, uh, that are captured under this reporting. So, uh, we might get a hint of what that looks like here, but I think just to keep in mind, uh, we probably need to continue paying attention over the next quarter or two as well to get, uh, some of those more final results, but Taking a look at what was announced, uh, as you mentioned, generally positive. Uh, Most of the majors uh, have been the banks that have reported so far. And I think JP Morgan led off with some pretty strong results um, coming out of there. Uh, Their stock uh, moved up over 7% uh, on the day they announced earnings or after they announced earnings. And so, you know, generally well received from the markets. What we saw there was strong net interest income uh, on the back of higher interest rates. And so that's one thing that higher interest rates do help is the business of the banks. And so investing in those stocks um, generally makes sense uh, as interest rates are higher. We saw something similar out of some of the other larger banks like Citi, Bank of America and Wells Fargo, maybe just to a lesser degree uh, as what we saw from JP Morgan. On the other end of the spectrum, maybe not as great uh, in terms of the numbers that came out from Goldman Sachs, as well as Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs in particular, a more investment banking focused bank, not as retail focused as uh, some of those others. And so that in the investment banking environment really just, you know, pretty soft right now overall, not a lot of deals, not a, a lot of IPOs being done. Um, and Morgan Stanley, similar, we saw a, a weak result out of their trading unit. And so. I think the net result here is those banks that are have more diversified business lines, things like wealth management, uh, et cetera, did fairly well this round. And, and the more trading or investment banking focused banks, uh, we just didn't see as great performance out of them. One other thing uh, that was pretty common across the major banks is increases in loan loss provisions. And so what they're telling us here is that they're anticipating some slowdown in economic activity and in, in economic growth and in the economy in general, whether that's a recession or not, uh, is up for debate, but certainly um, banks are looking towards the fact that there could be an increase in in loan losses, and so they're allowing for that right now within their earnings. And so I think if we can sum that up overall, decent earnings that had some nice results there, uh, but also relatively in line with what was expected. You know, we saw this whole sector sell off pretty significantly in March, um, and while these major banks, are; those stock prices are coming off their lows. They're certainly not rocketing right back up to where they were previously either. And I think a lot of that just does have to do with the outlook that they're providing us with. Now, um, we're going to get a lot more information from some of those regional banks that are going to be reporting over the next few weeks or or next few days, Um, quite a few of them actually to come. And so we'll see what comes out of those regional banks. I think investors are looking for any sign of, potential contagion um, from Silicon what happened with Silicon Valley Um, looking at the deposit levels if some of these uh, banks have lost a lot of their deposits or if they're going to expected to continue to lose deposits um, that could of course negatively affect their business overall but then also what their exposure to commercial real estate is Um, this is that one real estate area that's still being hurt by the pandemic Um, you know people not back to the office five days a week or anything like that. And so commercial real estate in general uh, under a little bit of pressure and the regional banks are the ones that tend to have a lot of exposure there. So that's something that we're going to be watching for as those regional banks uh, announce their earnings as well. Uh, In terms of uh, the the last part of your question, how that affects um, a couple of the ETFs that we offer. um, So ZBK, the Equal Weight Banks, uh, U.S. Banks Index ETF, that tracks a selective index that is, let's call it approximately 35% major banks, and then 65% uh, those regional banks. And there are, of course, multiple tiers of regional banks. There's fairly large ones such as Regions Financial and Truist, all the way down to those smaller ones. And so that's the the kind of mix you're getting out of ZBK. And so for investors that are, um, you know, thinking that the the worst of that that regional banking crisis is behind us and want exposure to those banks as they potentially bounce off the lows uh, but also as i mentioned operate in a new environment with higher interest rates that generally should be more positive for their business model um that zbk uh, ticker makes a lot of sense for investors that want exposure to the area uh, or to the sector, but might want slightly more defensive posturing. Um, the covered call ETF that you mentioned, the tickers at WK, is slightly more tilted towards those majors. So it's about 50-50 exposure in terms of exposure to the major banks and then exposure to the regionals, um, as that fund is obviously a not an index fund and, and, and has some discretion as to what we put in into that uh, sector to to create that sector exposure. As well, of course, it has a covered call overlay on top of it, which, which gives you a nice layer of income um, on top of the what's actually a decent dividend yield right now coming out of the U.S. banks. Um, so for income-oriented investors or, again, those that just want a little bit more of a defensive, uh, slightly more defensive posture or, or tilt to the portfolio, um, ticker ZWK, the covered call U.S. banks would be the fund there.
1: Great. Thanks, Chris.
2: Would you like to hear more from BMO Global Asset Management's team of investment experts? Check out the BMO Market Insights podcast. These timely, client friendly episodes deliver the latest news and commentary on the markets, the economy, and investing with a focus on exchange traded funds. Available now at BMOETFs.ca, that's BMOETFs.ca, or on your favorite podcast platform.
1: Something else we've seen as of late is the uh, low volatility has performed quite well. Uh, We've seen good flows into the BMO Low Volatility Canadian Equity ETF, ticker ZLB, as well as our U.S. version, which is the BMO Low Volatility U.S. Equity ETF, ticker ZLU. Uh, Chris Heeks, maybe you can kind of give us some insight into this and why we're seeing uh, such positive results there.
3: Yeah, for sure. Uh, so let's start with ZLB, and thank you for naming the ticker there, so I can just refer to it as ZLB. You know, it just won a ten-year Lipper award last year. It's been one of our most award-winning funds. You know, it outperformed the index by about five percent last year, and if you look at it year to date, it's actually outperforming even in an up market. So it's up about nine percent year to date, whereas the index is up seven point seven. So outperforming a little bit there seeing the benefit of low volatility investing, just, just continue to hold true. Um, energy has had some wobbles to start the year and certainly that's been a benefit with the ZLB. And so, you know, obviously with low volatility, you know, this is an exposure that can, uh, you know, keep, keep clients invested in equities, but take some of the risk off the table. So, you know, whereas there is that concern of an economic, uh, potential slowdown later this year, you know, the word recession is obviously getting talked about a little bit with regards to the second half of the year, you know, that's where the low volatility strategies often do have their strongest outperformance versus the broad index. So, you know, continuing to have that positioning, but in the meantime, you know, having exposure to upside, the ZLU or US one, you know, it's about flat to start the year. If you look at the US market, it's really technology driven. Technology is really about 40% of the S&P 500. You know, some of the technology is in IT, but other tech companies like, you know, Amazon, Facebook, and Google are in other sectors. But if you look at that, what people, I think, generally consider technology, it's, it's, it's around 40 or probably a little bit more now. So the U.S. one is lagging, but I would say that really positions investors well, you know, if and when there is volatility. So if there is that economic slowdown, you know, look for that one to outperform. One strategy that we talk about on the desk quite a bit is a ZLU, so U.S. low vol, and then a NASDAQ. So ZNQ would be the tickers for our BMO NASDAQ 100 index ETF. And so you have that barbell of defensiveness and growth, and if if you look at it this year, that's outperforming the S&P 500 by a couple percent, and it tends to do that over time. So that's one way investors can consider balancing growth with defensiveness. As I say, it tends to perform quite well versus the S&P 500 while while, uh, reducing risk somewhat. So, yeah, I think low ball really can uh, play an effective role in portfolios. You know, I'll just add you didn't ask, but, you know, in EFI and emerging markets as well, we have uh, low volatility solutions there. You know, EFI is actually a market that's got the strongest uh, beta return this year, you know, as investors are kind of uh, picking up on that more more, uh, beaten up region. But again, the ZLI, so our BMO International Low Volatility ETF. Is up eight point six percent to start the year, so strong return there as well. And uh, you know, again, um, you know, as we see volatility in the market with regards to interest rate policy or economic weakness, that ability to stay invested but also be defensive, I think, can really um, offer a potential benefit for, for investors. So, um, you know, continue to be to be uh, very, you know constructive on this lineup and and it playing a role in portfolios.
1: Great, thanks, Chris. And last but not least, um, something else we've seen, gold has hit uh, just over 2,000 once again. Uh, so we're seeing a lot about this uh, and a lot about gold in the headlines. Uh, Chris McKinney, can you maybe give us an update of what we're seeing? And can you touch on the different ways investors can access gold through an ETF?
0: Sure. Thanks, Mackenzie. And I think probably a lot of different tailwinds working in the favor uh, of the price of gold right now, which is obviously being reflected in that price that has uh, once again breached that two thousand uh, dollar an ounce level. Um, if we take a look at some of those drivers, first of all, um, you know potential for sticky inflation. Um, you know Chris Heeks mentioned earlier the direction, at least in Canada of what we're getting uh, in terms of CPI prints. But I think both US and Canada, what we see now is that core inflation measure um, s- now above, Uh, what the headline inflation is. And so we've seen that headline number roll over and come down off of those very high numbers that we saw, but the core inflation number uh, not doing so to the same degree. And so there is some expectation from market uh, participants that that core number could be sticky and could stick um, in those higher levels that, uh, that the central banks don't want. And so gold being a very good hedge against Uh, uh, high levels of inflation. Uh, That's catching a little bit of a bid there. Somewhat related to that inflation element is lower real yields. Again, we're talking about the US in particular here. US interest rates uh, certainly moving up quite a bit throughout 2022 and and with that real real yields uh, moving up in concert with that. But really what we saw at the end of Uh, sorry, in Q4 of 2022, that real yield really started to peak. And so, uh, you know, looking at the difference between what nominal yields are and what the expectation is for inflation over that same time period, that's what we're talking about uh, when we say real yields or real rates. That really peaked in Q4 of 2022 and since then has kind of traded sideways or or even starting to come back down again. And and that's when we really saw a spike uh, in the gold prices, when those real rates started to move back downwards again. And uh, we're certainly in the positive territory. For quite a while, we were in negative real yield territory. We're still positive right now. But as that starts to drift back down, uh, that's helping the gold price stay elevated as well. Gold is also seen as a hedge against a slowing economy or, or, or negative equity markets, and obviously we know that central banks are trying to engineer a slowing of the economy, and that's certainly in everyone's forecast. Um, you know whether that's recession or not. Uh, again, maybe beside the point, but the fact that the economy is slowing down or the potential for that um, is also helping the gold price. And then I think lastly, um, you know, again going back to the bank failures that happened in March just that whole um, monetary system coming into question again um, leads investors to the only real uh, sort of financial or monetary system that's outside of any government control that gold price um, and that gold bullion so I think that probably boosted gold's prospects a little bit as well just some any anytime there's questions at all about um, Western banking systems or developed banking systems um, I think gold would catch a bit of the uh, flight to safety trade there in terms of how investors can access that gold price there there are etfs that invest in gold bullion directly um, and so when you're looking at the price of gold and you see that reported in the media, uh, these ETFs would, would essentially mimic that price movement because they're simply holding gold in a, in a vault somewhere. Uh, you know, the main one that comes to mind is GLD is the ticker, the spider gold shares that trades in the U.S. Uh, but for Canadian investors, there are some in Canada as well, uh, listed in Canada, that do essentially the same thing. Again, just hold gold bullion and so would track the price of that gold almost directly. What we offer at at BMO is an equity-based uh, gold solution, and that would be uh, the BMO Equal Weight Global Gold Index ETF. Ticker is ZGD, and so there we're actually investing in equities that are uh, related to the gold industry, whether they're miners or refiners uh, or, or distributors of gold. Uh, that's you know the business that they're in and those are the equities that are bought within this ETF and so investors that are buying gold related equities um, you know hope to benefit from the price movement in gold obviously as the price of gold goes up uh, those uh, those companies that own gold can sell it for higher prices and so uh, catching that tailwind in a different way than just the gold price itself uh, is what a lot of investors uh, choose to to access uh, that gold story. And really, the benefit of that is you are getting equity-related risk as well, uh, but you're getting a potential torque related to that gold price. These companies are levered uh, to the gold price, and so can return much higher percentage than just the gold price change itself, if they're able to execute on their business model. And so that's what investors are looking for when they're buying gold-related equities. And again, ticker ZGD uh, would be the the one there. I think the other benefit from gold-related equities is once that gold price moves up. Investors might think they're too late to that, again, pure gold price trade. Uh, equities uh, can benefit for a significant period of time after that gold price has moved up, particularly if it stays at an elevated level. And so, uh, again, investors looking for, uh, to get access to this space using tickers at GD, the Equal Weight Global Gold Index ETF gives them that equity exposure to those gold-related companies.
1: Great. Thanks, Chris. And those are all the questions for this week. So I just want to thank everyone for tuning in and listening each and every week. And a special thank you to both the Chris's for providing some great insights and uh, sparking some positivity in the markets. Now, if there is anything you're looking for, I encourage everyone to go to our ETF dashboard, which is bmoetfs.ca. On there, we have lots of great trade ideas and strategy reports uh, Well, you'll find Lots of information, uh, so it's a great resource to look at and lots of topical pieces there for you to review. So with that, I just wanna thank everyone for tuning in and have a great day.
2: Thank you. To Mackenzie Box, Chris Heeks, and Chris McCaney for joining us on the BMO ETFs podcast. Today, we heard about the BMO Aggregate Bond Index ETF, ticker ZAG, which invests in a diversified portfolio of Canadian federal, provincial, and corporate bonds. Our experts also discussed climbing gold prices, the BMO Equal Weight Global Gold Index ETF, ticker ZGD, provides exposure to global gold mining equities. For more information about the ETFs discussed in this podcast, check out the episode notes, contact your regional BMO ETF specialist, or visit the new and improved Canadian ETF Dashboard at BMOETFs.ca. That's BMOETFs.ca. Views from the desk has been brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management. The viewpoints expressed by the portfolio managers represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change without notice at any time without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice to any party. Investments should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives, and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance. Any statement that necessarily depends on future events may be a forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance. Commissions, management fees, and expenses, if any, all may be associated with investments in exchange-traded funds. Please read the ETF facts or prospectus before investing. Exchange-traded funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated. BMO Global Asset Management is a brand name under which BMO Asset Management, Inc. and BMO Investments, Inc. operate.